Hello, friends. It is Pastor Anthony, and thank you so much for joining us on the Word for Life podcast. I tell you, every week I get more and more grateful and more and more excited that we are continuing to grow. And uh, I'm going to make it my duty to ensure and make sure uh, that we are more consistent in putting out uh, encouragement and inspiration that it might find you wherever you are. I want to talk a few moments today, uh, if you will, just in a casual setting. Like we've done before, I want you to grab your cup of coffee, uh, grab your hot tea, whatever it is, or on your commute to work, I want to just dialogue and have a conversation with you. Although you can't respond back to me at the present moment, you can respond in your car. You can respond as you lay in your bed. You can respond... Uh, at your desk, in your cubicle, wherever you are. But I just want to have a conversation with you tonight. Uh, Because as I am recording this, it is uh, the first Sunday in the month of March. And I was blessed and privileged to preach a message today uh, entitled Surviving Rock Bottom. Surviving Rock Bottom. And uh, I really had all intentions to go and record the message and upload it into the podcast, the Word for Life podcast. And the Lord convicted me and said uh, that I should slow it down and really just turn it into a conversation and a dialogue because I think that you'll better get it that way. You'll better understand what I'm trying to say. If we simply slow it down and have a conversation, Uh, many of us, if you're honest, at some point in time in your life have hit a wall. And when you hit this wall in your life, most times you don't really understand where it comes from Uh, because it appears that one day you felt fine and that the next day you just simply run out of fuel. And so here it is that one day I felt like I was able to leap over troops and jump over walls. I felt like I could do all of this in a single bound. I literally felt like Superman. But then the very next day, the very next minute, the very next second, I'm Clark Kent. And there are many of us that experience those different things in our lives where When you are on stage, when you are in front of people, when there is a crowd, you are literally Spider-Man who is jumping from building to building in New York City. And everybody is waiting on you to show up and save the day. Everybody is waiting on you to show up and do what you do. However, the supreme issue is that while they are expecting you to be Spider-Man, you go home and when the lights go out and there is no crowd and there is no audience, you realize that you're only Peter Parker. And Peter Parker does not have friends. Peter Parker, uh, nobody screams his name. Peter Parker is not famous. Peter Parker is not a part of the it crowd. In fact, he's an outsider. And that's where many of us are. And that's what causes us to hit rock bottom. Because we are when we are in front of people, everybody seems to be screaming our name. When you are surrounded by people, people are in love with you and they love your presence. But when you go home, 
The question is, do you like your presence? Do you like hanging with you? And the issue that arises many times in our lives is that if we're not careful, we get so busy pretending that we forget that we're pretending. (laughs) You get so busy with your facade and you get so busy being busy and you get so busy being everything for everybody else uh, that one day you wake up and you realize I'm everything for everybody else and I am absolutely nothing for myself. And then that's when you hit rock bottom. So here I am at rock bottom trying to have the face of the mountaintop. And that's the struggle of life. Is that what do I do when I look like the mountaintop, but I feel like rock bottom? What do I do when I have a pulpit in the presence of people, but I only have a pit when I'm by myself? How do I cope? How do I grasp this idea of where I am? Because how can I be so powerful in one setting and yet so weak in another setting? Bishop T.D. Jakes, who I believe is the goat of preaching, uh, long ago, many years ago, once quoted that the anointed of God have Uh, uh, He says that every public calling has a private craving. Every public calling has a private craving. So those that are married, for some reason, uh, crave to be single. Those that are anointed publicly crave to be regular in private. And so what do I do when I have these different ends of the spectrum? Because on one end... I'm on the top, but on the other end, I'm on the bottom. And so here I am trying to find some resolve and I'm trying to find some peace and I'm trying to find some relief. But the more people scream my name in public, the worse I feel in private. Um, I'm at rock bottom. And the thing about rock bottom is, is that rock bottom causes you to picture yourself being hurt. Being at rock bottom causes you to picture yourself being broken. And so when you hit rock bottom because you can't see your way out through or over, you are daydreaming about your car running off the road because you're at rock bottom. You are daydreaming and coming up with scenarios in your mind. If I were to die, who would really show up at my funeral? You're at rock bottom. It is because the success in the public is draining your misery in your privacy. Because when I am by myself and the applause stop and the people go away, it is literally just me and my thoughts. And what do I do when everybody thinks more of me than I think of myself? Guys, I'm at rock bottom. I'm at the bottom of the mountain and I'm trying to find rest and I'm trying to find resolve and I'm trying to find peace. But I just can't see my way through and I can't see my way over and I can't see my way out. And I'm trying to figure out where is my balance at? 
you're at rock bottom. Joseph, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not Joseph. Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 finds himself in a precarious predicament. And in order for us to get to that precarious predicament, we've got to go back to Genesis chapter 27. So when you go back to Genesis chapter 27, many of you know the story. You'll discover that Jacob now was tricking his father Isaac into receiving the blessing. Uh, we know in the Old Testament, the Bible had a way of showing us or telling us or revealing to us the blessing pattern. And so God then says that I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, when we find Jacob in Genesis chapter 27, we don't find him as the one that's passing down the generational blessing. We find Jacob as the one who's on the crusk of passing down the generational curse. And I want to tell you, my dear friends, if there is any reason why you need to survive rock bottom and figure out what is going on with you, it is because you don't want to pass down the curse to the next generation. What curse are you talking about, PA? I don't want to pass down the curse of depression, anxiety and suicide and cancer because I've stressed myself into sickness. And I've stressed myself into migraine headaches and I've stressed myself into aneurysms that don't even run in my bloodline. But the stress of rock bottom is tearing me down. Here is where Jacob finds himself because in Genesis chapter 27, he has pretended, he has acted, he has put on a character to trick his father Isaac into believing that he is Esau. So he is walking like Esau. He's talking like Esau. He's moving like Esau. I, 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 you're by yourself, so you shouldn't have any problem being honest today. Because there are many times in our life that that is literally us. Because I am pretending that I'm enjoying my anointing. I'm pretending that I am enjoying the burden of pastoring. I am pretending that I am enjoying the burden of carrying this business, this, this, this life of being an entrepreneur. And so in the public face, I am promoting my business, but in private, it's draining the life out of me. Because when the bills need to be paid and there's not enough money in the business account, it's got to come from my personal account. So here I am. I'm, I'm pretending like I got it all. But in reality, I'm living without. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at rock bottom. Jacob is pretending in Genesis chapter 27 because he's tricking his father Isaac into blessing him. And as he's tricking him into blessing him, the Bible says that Isaac was old. His eyes had waxed dim. He couldn't see good anymore. Jacob goes in and he asks Isaac for the blessing because he thinks he's Esau. Isaac blesses Jacob because he thought he was Esau. And 
It's amazing because God has a blessing and an anointing and a glory and a successful business and being a successful entrepreneur and a successful parent and a successful uh, sibling. He has all of these blessings lined up for us. But the question is, are you in the right place to receive the blessing that God has for you? I want to give it to you like this. We've got to be careful. Because there is a supreme danger in getting the right thing in the wrong season. Oh, man. How many times have have we squandered away the blessing of God because we got the right thing, i.e. his blessing, but we got it in a season that we weren't prepared to handle it. Oh. And so the reason why you've got to scratch and claw and cry and pull your way out of rock bottom is so that if the blessing hits you, I want my season to match my blessing so that I don't get the right thing in the wrong season. Jacob steals the birthright from Esau. Esau finds out about it and he is out for blood. I mean, he wants to kill him because after all, Esau is saying in his mind, I am the firstborn son. How dare you steal my blessing? Esau, stronger, with more resources, with more strength. Jacob now is afraid and he is literally a fugitive on the run because he's living with a stolen blessing. He's living with something that he does not deserve. Jacob's mother comes to him and says, Jacob, go to Haran. This is where my people are from. Go to Haran and I want you to find refuge in Haran because that's where my people are. However, I don't believe that Jacob's mother realizes the nameology uh, or the revelatory nameology of Haran because Haran means to be parched. To be parched means to be dried out by heat. So she sends Jacob to a dry place while trying to protect him. It's amazing because many of us believe that we can escape the chastisement of God. We believe that if we run fast enough, far enough and wide enough that we can outrun the wrath of God. It's amazing because David says, wherever I make my bed, thou art there. If I go into the uttermost parts of the earth, you are there. If I go into the valley low, you are there. No matter where you go, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. I said all that to say, if God is requiring a whooping before he introduces you to winning, you will not get the winning without dealing with the whooping. <laughs> and there are many of us that are trying to skip the prerequisite of the promise. Listen, 
You cannot skip the prerequisite of the promise. I don't care how good you preach. I don't care how good your business plan is. I do not care who your mother is, your father is. I don't care that your mother was the church mother and your father was the bishop. You cannot outrun the whooping of God. If God needs to chastise you, you will not be introduced to your promise until you have gone through the punishment. It is a prerequisite. You remember being in school. There are different classes that were a prerequisite. And until you passed the prerequisite, you were not able to take certain classes. You cannot take algebra two. Until you have successfully passed algebra one. Are you with me? You, 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 you cannot take chemistry until you have successfully passed biology. There is an order in which you must go. The reason is if I skip the prerequisite, I am skipping the important foundational and fundamental things that I need to have once I get to the promise. And so if I don't get what I need to learn at the foundational floor, I will not be able to handle what I am asking God to do. Jacob finds himself at rock bottom in Genesis chapter 28, verse number 10. Because his mother has sent him to Haran, he gets there and discovers it's a dry place. Not only is it a dry place, but the Bible declares in uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse number 11, that Jacob now pulls up a hard stone. He pulls up a hard stone because he's tired for being a fugitive on the run. He's tired of running. Can I suggest to you very quickly that many times also the reason why we are at rock bottom is because you keep trying to run. You keep trying to run from the calling of God. You know that God has something for you. You know that God has called you. You know that God has divinely given you intellect and wisdom and knowledge. And you are running from what God has called you to do. Jacob finds himself in Haran. He pulls up a stone. The Bible says that he lays his head on the stone because he wants to go to sleep. Uh, I got a question have you ever been tired? <laughs> oh, man. Have, uh, just, I mean, tired. And, and, and I, I need you to understand, I'm, I'm not talking in regards to working all day. And you come home and you spend time with the children and you cook some food and you take your shower and you get to the bed and you just collapse because, whoa, that was a day. <laughs> that's, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, have you ever been tired? As in, I just woke up from a nap and I'm still tired. I slept 10 hours last night and I wake up in the morning exhausted. It is because while you're trying to sleep, you are fighting a battle in your sleep because you took it to bed with you. You're still holding on to your battle. You're still holding on 
to your struggle. So all through the night, you're jumping in your sleep and you're having nightmares and night terrors and you're waking up and you're rolling over. Because subconsciously, even while you're sleeping, you are still battling with what you refuse to let go. And I need you to hear me and I need you to hear me very clearly. I need you to hear me very quickly, uh, very clearly. And I need you to listen. Come close. If you can't change it, you don't need to stress over it. There are many times in our life that we face many things in our life and cognitively, psychologically, spiritually, naturally, you know, there's nothing you can do. You cannot change the situation. I, 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 I remember uh, in 2007, 2008, my mother was stricken with cancer. She was stricken with breast cancer. And and I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, at the time I was young and I, I just couldn't handle it. I mean... Oh man, it's I I I I've uh, been telling my wife lately. You know, I I only know how to be honest. I don't I don't know how to. I'm as I get older, I'm losing my ability to sugarcoat. I'm losing my ability to put it nicely. I only know how to be honest. And honestly speaking, I was not ready to handle seeing the strongest woman I had ever known be stricken with cancer. And I just couldn't handle it. I mean, it was tough for me. Uh, uh, I, I, I remember going into the room after her surgery and my eyes were like Haran. And I mean, they were dry. I, 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 I couldn't even muster up another tear because I had cried so much for her. Because I knew how much she was stressing and the stress was eating away at her. And there was nothing I could do about the stress. And at the time, as a young man of God, as a young minister, I held the weight on me because I told myself I wasn't anointed enough to pray the stress off my mother. I wasn't anointed enough to make her feel better. Um... I'm getting emotional. I uh, I held the weight for months on me because I felt like if I was more righteous, if 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 I was more saved, if I walked closer with God, uh, if I prayed more, if I fasted more, then I could have prayed the stress off of her. And when she was stricken with breast cancer, she didn't even want to tell me. I, 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 I felt I felt responsible for it because I, I'm a man of God. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm the preacher of the family. Uh, I'm the anointed one of the family. I'm, I'm the one that said I was called to preach, you know. Uh, I'm the one that stands up in front of the people and hold my ear and say, ain't he all right? You know, I'm, I'm the one. And I felt like I failed her because I couldn't pray it away. 
not understanding at the time, being a very young man, not understanding at the time that even if I was as powerful as I desired, even if I was as anointed as I desired, God's will is God's will. And there is no prayer and there is no fast and there is no oil that can manipulate the will of God. I need you to understand that, friends. I need you to understand that because many times we are holding ourselves responsible for where someone else is when that is the will of God for their life. And so here we are holding the weight, feeling like if I would have done this, if I would have did that, if I would have lived like this, then this wouldn't be this way not understanding <sighs> that as as anointed as we believe the blessed oil is as much faith as we have in touching it and naming it and claiming it and calling and hauling God's will <sighs> is God's will And that's where Jacob is. In Genesis chapter 28, verse number 11. Because he's in a God's will situation. Because his flesh has led him to rock bottom. Because he was infatuated with the blessing. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 28, he pulls up the stone and he falls asleep. And as he falls asleep, the Bible says that he starts dreaming. And it's amazing because the dream is not the miracle. And I'm about to get to the dream, but the dream is not the miracle. The dream is not the shout point. The dream is not what should make you happy. The dream is not where you're going to find your peace because in reality, psychologists tells us, tell us that we dream at least three to five dreams every night once we enter into REM, rapid eye movement. You dream at least three to five times every night. And so dreaming wasn't the miracle. Dreaming wasn't the shout cue. The, the victory lies in the fact that Jacob has fallen asleep on a hard stone in a dry place. How do you fall asleep on a hard stone in a dry place? <laughs> it had to be because God has put you to sleep. And that's my prayer for you, friend. I'm praying that God would put you to sleep. I'm praying that God would soon allow you again for the first time in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years to fall asleep and not pass out. I want you to be able to go to sleep because you feel like going to sleep. Not because you just don't have anything left for this day. Jacob falls asleep on the stone. He begins dreaming. 
when he begins dreaming, the Bible says, verse number 12, I believe that he's dreaming and he sees a ladder. And on the ladder, he sees angels ascending that's going up and angels descending on the ladder. He's dreaming in a hard, dry place about the angels of God. <sighs> Isn't it amazing how God has a unique way oh, of paying you a visit right in the middle of your venom? He dreams about a ladder with the angels ascending and descending. And I'm ready to end it here. And I pray that you have enjoyed this conversation. The ascending angels are taking up the prayers from earth. And the descending angels are bringing down the answers from heaven. He's dreaming and he sees one ladder with two opposite ends of the spectrum. It's very interesting because life is like that sometimes. Where I can see what God is getting ready to do, but I don't have it in my hand. And I'm trying to have faith because I know what he said, but I don't see it. So Jacob on one side of the ladder had his story. What he'd been through, all the trouble and the reason why he was at rock bottom. And on the other side was the glory. On one side, there was pain. And on one side was a peak. On one side was the burden. And on the other side was the blessing. On one side was the rock. And on the other side was the redeemer. And what is so interesting about it. And what I'm trying to get to you today. Is that God has a unique way. Of giving you access to the top. Even while you're at rock bottom. And here is what I want to say to you before I leave you, friend. Is that everything you're going through. You have to give it in that prayer. And send it with the ascending angel on the ladder. And when you send it with the ascending angel on the ladder. You have to let it go. You are holding on to something that is the latter's responsibility. <sighs> you, you can't put it on the ladder and then climb the ladder and pull it back and then get mad at God because you still feel low. You can't take it off the ladder and complain that God isn't doing it. So here is what I want to tell you, friends. And I've got to leave you because I've, I've been too long. Is that everything that you're dealing with, everything that you're struggling with, everything that's been holding you down, everything that's been beating you up, once you pray, I need you to hear me very clearly. Come here. Once you pray, it is now on the ladder. So every prayer, every private pain, 
every ounce of pestilence, every procedure, every procrastination, it's on the ladder. Every dream, every desire, every demand, every dilemma, every disease, every depressing spirit, it is on the ladder. Every child, every curse, every condition, every court case, every concern, all your cash, your calling, and your career, it is all on the ladder. So I want to tell you, friends, dry your eyes, square your shoulders, lift your head, and have confidence that as you send your prayer with the ascending angel, the answer is coming down with the descending angel. Whatever you're dealing with, it's on the ladder. Take your hands off of it. Leave it be. Trust God with tomorrow. Because God is in control. Leave it on the ladder. I'll see you soon.